Hello and welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm your host, Victoria Horn, and on this month's episode, I want to kick back and talk about the books that I read for the month of February. I read a little bit more of a variety of books than I usually do in February. I will be touching on children's books, graphic novels, adult fiction, adult nonfiction, uh, some easy nonfiction, just a whole variety of things that will hopefully inspire you to take a look at some of the other sections that you don't usually frequent in our library. I have a few more announcements than usual because we are leading up to a very big project here at Odell where we are getting our flooring replaced finally. So last year we did fundraising for our new carpet and luxury vinyl tile that will go into the library very shortly here. So we will be closed for a period of time and there are just a couple of housekeeping things that I wanna go over that are pretty important that you know as a patron of Odell. So I'll be going over that shortly and I'll also go over the February book order and on our regular segment, V's Verses, I'll be talking about some of my favorite romantic poetry and reading my original poem, A Lifetime. Stay with me. All right, so we will go ahead and get the big chunk of information about our closing out of the way first. So beginning March 20th, Odell will be closed to the public while our brand new flooring is installed. As many of you know, last year in February, we had our Fund Our Floor fundraiser, and that went so well, and we are so grateful that we are able to update our space. So the front three-fourths of the library will have variegated carpet planks, and then the back fourth will have LVT, or luxury vinyl tile, in some of our kids' areas to make cleanup a little bit easier. So look forward to that. In the meantime, beginning March 20th, we'll be closed for about three weeks. Our projected opening date will be April 9th, but definitely like our Facebook page, we will be posting updates and any announcements that we need to make over there. So you'll definitely wanna keep an eye on that page. I'll leave the link in the show notes. So before we close, be sure to stop in and stock up on reading materials, discovery book packs, hotspots, leap reader pens, BCDs, and DVDs to tide you over while we're closed. Starting March 5th, due dates for your materials will be extended through April 17th, which is a week after our projected reopening. You may, if you so desire, return books to our outside book drop if you just want the peace of mind of knowing they're returned. And you can also return any of your books to another Prairie Cat library in our area. I'll talk a little bit more about those libraries in a minute. And it is very important that you make sure your library card is current, including the sticker on the back of your card, so that you can use other Prairie Cat member libraries while we're closed and have access to our online holdings through the Libby app. So other Prairie Cat member libraries in our area are Erie, Prophetstown, Fulton, Moline, and Rock Island. For a full list of Prairie Cat member libraries, you can visit prairiecat.info slash libraries, and I'll leave that link in the show notes as well. Unfortunately, Sterling and Rock Falls are not participating Prairie Cat libraries, so if you do want to use either of those libraries, 
you would have to visit their locations to get a reciprocal card while we are open because their librarians will need to call us in order to verify your account. So the last day to place holds for pickup at Odell is Monday, March 13th. You will still be able to pick up holds while we're closed, but you will not be able to pick them up here. So you'll have to select a different PerryCat member library as your location for pickup. So whenever you create a hold, PerryCat asks you where you would like to pick up your items, and Odell is obviously the default for our patrons, but you can always select any other PerryCat member library as a pickup location. If you need help creating holds for pickup at those other libraries, we are more than happy to help you in person if we're open or over the phone at 815-772-7323. And now is a great time to try out the Libby app for ebooks and audiobooks. That is free through your Odell library card. If you need help setting up that app on any of your devices, we are more than happy to give you a little demo on how to navigate the app help you get it installed on your device. It's no problem at all. Just come in while we're open or give us a call and we can try and walk you through it over the phone. And that is also an important piece of why you need to make sure your library card is updated because we update your access to the Libby app when you renew your card. I'll also leave a link in the show notes to the Libby support page if you would like to peruse some frequently asked questions and things on how to get started. And definitely save the date for Sunday, April 30th. The Odell Public Library friends are hosting an open house from 1 to 4 p.m. to celebrate the end of this big project and the start of a fresh new look for Odell. So come on by for snacks, games, and giveaways on Sunday, April 30th. And you'll catch a lot of us librarians there. I know it's pretty sporadic, so you don't always see the same people. So you can definitely meet a bunch of our staff that day. Super fun. And in regards to that open house, the Odell Public Library friends are meeting to discuss that event and some other business on Tuesday, March 14th at 1 p.m. And the meeting is held here at Odell in our program room and is open to the public. For more information on that group, I will leave the link to our website where you can find more information on that. So, I know that was a lot of information. We appreciate your patience during this time. We are so excited to be able to welcome you back into a new and fresh experience at Odell. You are always welcome to message us on Facebook with any questions. Email us at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. I'll leave that email address in the show notes as well. Or give us a call. Our Saturday clubs, Lego Club, Pokemon Club, and Magic the Gathering will be a little bit affected by our closure. So Lego Club meets the first Saturday of the month from 1030 to noon. All ages and abilities are welcome and it is completely free. There will be no Lego Club in April as we will be closed at that time. Our All Ages and Abilities Pokemon Club meets the third Saturday of the month from 10 to 1130 a.m., followed by Magic the Gathering from 12 to 3 p.m. for ages 10 to adult. So Pokemon and Magic usually take place in the program room, but this month on March 18th, the program room will be closed to the public that week before the flooring installation, so those clubs will meet in the community room directly to the right when you walk in the front doors. 
And stop by Odell for Storytime every Thursday evening. It's a free drop-in program designed for preschoolers, but open to all. You can join us every Thursday from 7 to 7.30 p.m. for stories, songs, and crafts with Miss Katie, Miss Amy, or sometimes me. I have started dabbling in Storytime. I'm not quite as fun as Amy or Katie, but (laughs) I'm doing my best. We also are still hosting the AARP Tax Help. So if you or a loved one are interested in receiving AARP assistance with tax preparation, you can call Odell to request an appointment here if you live in Morrison, Erie, Fulton, Prophetstown, or Linden, or if you have had your taxes done here at Odell in the past. So we'll take down your name, your town of residence, and your phone number, and then a representative will call you to schedule an appointment. At this time, AARP plans to continue assistance through April 12th. It is by appointment only and takes place in the community room directly to the right when you walk in the front doors. We also have a group of folks who like to get together in our program room on Mondays at 1 p.m. to play Pinnacle. So if you or someone you know enjoys the game, it is free and all are welcome to join. The American Red Cross and the Morrison Fire Department are installing free smoke alarms in our community, so you can request smoke alarm installation that will take place Saturday, March 25th from 9.30 to 3 p.m. You can sign up at the link in the show notes or call 815-963-8471, extension 7. If you would like to volunteer at that event, you can go to soundthealarm.org, or I will leave their email in the show notes as well. And last but not least, if you would like to stay up to date with things that are happening here at Odell or other opportunities in our community that we feel are beneficial for you to know about, you can sign up to receive our Odell Outreach newsletter with the Google form linked in the show notes. And you'll receive an email every month detailing all the things happening at Odell, some fun pictures and things. Katie always does a beautiful job compiling those newsletters each month. Highly recommend that you sign up for that. Okay, with all that out of the way, we can talk about the February book order. As always, I won't be able to talk about every single book that we're getting in in our book order. So you can check out the complete list of titles at our website, linked in the description, or we always have print copies of our book orders available at the circulation desk. So we have a few more nonfiction titles than normal. So we have The Emotional Lives of Teenagers, Raising Connected, Capable, and Compassionate Adolescents by Lisa Damore. Um, We also have I Know Who You Are, How an Amateur DNA Sleuth Unmasked the Golden State Killer and Changed Crime Fighting Forever by Barbara Raventer. Sounds very intriguing if you like true crime. And a book that I'm really excited to check out, The Climate Book by Greta Thunberg. And in adult fiction, we have new titles from notable authors Kelly Armstrong, Tessa Bailey, Steve Barry, CJ Box, Deborah Crombie, Mark Greeny, Colleen Hoover, of course, she's everywhere, <laughs> Greg Hurwitz, Iris Johansson, Sadiqa Johnson, Jonathan Kellerman, Jojo Moyes, lots of people waiting for that one, James Patterson, JD Robb, Michael Robothan, I butchered that, I'm sorry. James Rollins, Veronica Roth, Salman Rushdie, Lucy Score, and Charles Todd. 
And I'm really excited to check out Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes. It's a story about Medusa. So sign me the heck up. And we have several young adult titles this month, including a title in the very popular Heartstopper universe. So Nick and Charlie by Alice Oseman has been republished. And that was written after Solitaire, which I believe is technically the first one in that series. So if you haven't read Solitaire, highly recommend. Very good. Um, Nick and Charlie is just a little novella that follows those two characters from the solitaire novels, which then prompted the graphic novels that have been so wildly popular in the last couple of years. I love everything that I've read from Alice Oseman so far. And we also have The Headmaster's List by Melissa Dela Cruz, These Infinite Threads, which is This Woven Kingdom number two by Tahira Mafi. We have Chaos Theory by Nick Stone and She is a Haunting by Trang Tan Tran. And in junior fiction, we have Who is LeBron James by Crystal Hubbard. We have a new Rick Riordan Presents, which is called Winston Chu vs. the Whimsies by Stacey Lee. A new Big Nate, Big Nate Nailed It, by Lincoln Pierce. The first three books in the Dragon King of Renly book series by Jordan Quinn. And we have another title from Kelly Yang, Finally Seen. And then in easy fiction... We have Once Upon a Book by Grace Lynn, Mr. Kitty is Lost by Greg Pizzoli. I love Greg Pizzoli. Remember him very well from my childhood. Uh, super excited for that one. We have Uni Joins the Team in the Uni the Unicorn series by Amy Krauss Rosenthal. Pick a Perfect Egg by Patricia Tott. She has the best little rhyming seasonal books so we also have Pick a Pumpkin and Pick a Pine Tree here at Odell. Highly recommend you check those out. They're charming. And two board books by Eric Carle, How Does a Caterpillar Change and How Does a Seed Sprout? Okay, time to jump into the absolutely chaotic list of books that I read this month. There is quite a variety I struggled a lot figuring out what topic I wanted to do this month, what kind of theme I wanted to do, and in the end, none of them really took. And I know my coworkers are rolling their eyes right now because I, in our library, loaned a ton of books and then just sent them all back because <laughs> I was overwhelmed by that idea. So the list that is to follow is basically just a smattering of things that I was reading in order to de-stress myself from the pressure of <laughs> picking a theme. Uh, so a lot of graphic novels that I was like, oh yeah, that I can get through that in like a day. Uh, it's fine. Uh, some children's literature that I was reviewing in order to prepare for the story time that I did last week some adult nonfiction that I was giving a try, and some adult fiction. And I always leave a list of the books that we talk about on the podcast in the description so you can find the books. So I figure I'll go easiest to hardest <laughs> and talk a little bit about the children's books that I read this month. And even if you don't have kiddos of your own, like 
I don't. I'm single. I have no kids. I just have my friends that have kids. I see their kids sometimes. And the children at the library. Those are my <laughs> ties to childhood, I guess. But I really enjoy reading the new children's lit that comes through as I'm processing books. I don't get to read every single word of every single one, but sometimes I can't help myself, so... <laughs> the book that I chose for story time a week ago is one that I love with my whole heart. It is incredible. It's called Beneath by Corey Dorveld. She is an author illustrator from Illinois, actually, and she moved to Minnesota and is very interested in nature, which you can definitely feel in this book. So the premise of this book is that there's this little child, Finn, who is hiding under his blankets and his grandpa asks him what's wrong and he doesn't want to talk about it. So grandpa suggests that they go for a walk and it just brought me back to walking through the woods with my grandpa out at his farm, which is very fitting right now because we just sold that house. So I've been thinking a lot about it and grandpa starts to talk to Finn as he's hiding under his blanket, he refuses to come out, so he's just under his blanket the whole time. And Grandpa starts talking about all the things that you can't see in nature, all the things beneath. So all the birds that are nesting, their eggs are underneath them. All the plants growing beneath your feet, all the animals and creatures that are in the dirt below you, all the things below the surface of water that you can't see all the things you can't see about people. And I love, as I was reading the story, I only had one child <laughs> during story time, which was a good way to get started on my first story time. But she said, hey, look, there's music. And I love that that's the first thing she noticed about this illustration, because it's these two kids, and one is in a wheelchair, one is able-bodied, and uh, they both have music notes in their brain. And I love that the first thing she saw was what they had in common, not what was different about them. I thought that was remarkable. <laughs> and then eventually grandpa says, sometimes beneath someone who looks like they won't understand is someone who knows exactly how you feel. And they both have a heart with a crack in it, as this little girl said. And I think it's just a great way to illustrate to children and adults <laughs> that there are things about people that may seem illogical from the outside, but if you take a minute to observe, ask them what's wrong, why they might be feeling that way, they might be inclined to tell you and you might find out something that makes everything make sense. And I think it's just a great way to teach children to look a little deeper and feel a little bit more empathy for the people around them. It was a very fun story time and I highly recommend you check this book out. And then as I was trying to figure out what book I wanted to read, I stumbled upon a book that I processed last year and fell in love with. It's called Bear is a Bear. It's written by Jonathan Stutzman and illustrated by Dan Sandit. And oh my goodness, my little heart could not handle how sweet and tender and kind and bittersweet this book was. So... It's essentially telling the story of a beloved stuffed animal as if the teddy bear is a real bear. And it's repetitive in a poetic sort of way, and it 
shows the progression of all the ways this bear comforts and follows this child through life until it is passed on to the next generation. And the illustrations are fantastic, so warm and inviting and sweet. Oh, it just hits you right in the feels. Two books that I know for a fact that kids will love are, so the first one is called There's a Mouse in My House by Ross Collins. It genuinely made me laugh out loud, like unabashedly, (laughs) and it is just so well done. So this mouse has settled in at Bear's house and he won't leave and he's such a, a bothersome little uninvited guest and he eats all the food, he listens to loud music, he floods the bathroom, and this poor polar bear has had enough until there is a knock on the door and a whole family of mice come in with hors d'oeuvres and party music and lays for a luau and he says these mice are nice and they all have fun together it's just silly sweet the illustrations are so charming uh lots of interesting vocabulary you can teach your kids that one is a sure hit for kids and another one may not be the best bedtime book, but it's literally in the title. It's called It's So Quiet, a not-quite-going-to-bed book written by Sherry Dusky Rinker and illustrated by Tony Fusilli, who was actually a designer and animator for Disney and Pixar, so he worked on The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, The Lion King, The Incredibles, and Inside Out. Very impressive. Love all those movies. So this book is about a little mouse out in the country trying to fall asleep and his grown-ups tell him that he has to go to sleep, just listen to the world around him and he'll get sleepy. <laughs> and it's uh, got a lot of good onomatopoeia, lots of repetition that makes it fun to read aloud and it builds and builds to a pretty funny scene. Croak, croak, bullfrog sings through the thickets. Chirp, 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 chime in all the crickets. Squeal, rat, tat, tat, blows the old screen door. Tip, tap, tip, tap, hound dog's tail beats the floor. Whoosh, sings the breeze through the trees. Snort, bloop, 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 that's granddad's snore. Snort, bloop, 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 even louder than before. Hoo, hoo, drowsy barn owl speaks. Crick, the old farmhouse squeaks. Awoo, howls coyote miles from the house. Up goes the window. Be quiet! I'm trying to sleep! Bellows Mouse. I just love how it builds. It's very musical, and I'm sure kiddos will find this one funny, and parents will find it fun to read. So I highly recommend that you check that out as well. And a book that I discovered while I was doing a little bit of research on books that we had at the library by Black authors is called The Undefeated by Kwame Alexander. I love Kwame Alexander. He's amazing. He wrote The Crossover, which is a very popular junior fiction novel. So The Undefeated is an easy nonfiction book. So you'll find it in the 811s in our easy nonfiction section. And it is illustrated by Kadir Nelson beautiful illustrations and it is just a fantastic way to introduce young ones to celebrated heroes from black history and I learned about people that I didn't know about from history, which is an absolute travesty if you ask me, but I'm grateful that Kwame Alexander wrote this poem and made it 
accessible for children because it's done in such a way that you can't help but be curious who he's talking about, what they did, and if you don't recognize the picture of who they are, there is a list of facts about each person that's mentioned in the back of the book so you can talk more about those people with kids. It is just a beautiful poem, beautifully rendered by the illustrator. I could not recommend this book more or anything by Kwame Alexander. He is fantastic. So moving on to young adult novels. I read two young adult graphic novels this month. Okay, so (laughs) the thing with graphic novels, it frustrates me to no end when parents and guardians scoff over the fact that their children only read graphic novels. Number one, saying that, that they're only reading graphic novels. Oh, it's just a graphic novel is negating the fact that your child is choosing to read for fun. Well, maybe not for fun, but they're choosing to read something that is engaging to them, and there are so many good things that you can get from a graphic novel that even a regular novel cannot teach. So while they're reading, they're taking in new vocabulary. A lot of times these books that are very popular, such as the Wings of Fire graphic novels or the Percy Jackson graphic novels, have vocabulary that they would be getting in a regular fantasy novel as well. They're just also getting it in conjunction with illustrations. They're taking in art and that piece of our brain that responds to images and textures and colors and different interactions between materials, that piece of our brain is trained by looking at art. And there are so many benefits that have been scientifically studied about doing art, consuming art, anything, (laughs) like interacting with art in general. So, The fact that your kids are taking in pictures, they're not just picture books, although picture books are not just picture books either, (laughs) but it's not juvenile or immature to still want to look at pictures. In fact, it's a beautiful thing. They're training that part of their brain that is working in images. So I really think that studying graphic novels, reading them, consuming them, will only increase your appreciation for art and you'll start to learn what kinds of art you like. You'll start to hone in on your own ability to imagine things, to see images as you're reading. And the fact that they're able to see something that they're reading illustrated and have that immediate visceral image generated for them will only improve their ability to take information being given to them in the written form and translate it into something that they can picture. So they're taking context clues from the images as well as the words and both of those will create a stronger reader. So they'll have more confidence going into a chapter book or something like that because they're learning tools that will help their reading comprehension as they are reading graphic novels. So I understand the frustration. We all have expectations for what is considered quote-unquote real literature 
and what kinds of things people should be reading. But there's the rub, okay? That word should. We deal so much in shoulds in our life. And I think that so much more joy can be found in letting go of those shoulds and doing that for ourselves and for others. And that will strengthen both our own ability to love ourselves and also our connection with other people because we're not placing expectations on them that are completely unfair. So (laughs) the next time you're a little bit frustrated that your child is only interested in reading the Dogman books for the billionth time, they're enjoying it and They may be more inclined if you let them nurture the thing that they're interested in. They may be more inclined to ask a librarian, I love the the Dogman books. Can you tell me something else that I can read that is like that? That is a question I get frequently, okay? (laughs) So don't be discouraged that they want to reread their favorites. It's still reading. It's still valuable. It's nurturing a part of them that is going to help them in the long run. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. So that being said, (laughs) I love graphic novels. I have been watching a lot of art YouTube videos and uh, sort of dabbling in getting back into drawing. And I have discovered some things about illustrations that I didn't know before. So now when I'm reading graphic novels, I swear it takes me three times as long as it used to to read a graphic novel, which is still like I can finish one in a day usually, which also feels good because you're getting through a book quicker and you're like, oh, that felt nice to actually like finish something. But I'm constantly stopping to look at each individual picture and appreciate the line work and the blending of the colors and the texture that it was given and wondering how the heck did they do that (laughs) so I highly recommend it even if you know you're an adult I don't whatever age you are if you're like 60 and you want to read a graphic novel go for it it's a great time (laughs) so two books that have been on my radar for a long time uh, I'm super excited that I finally read The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag This was recommended to me by a friend from college, Sarah. It's an LGBTQ graphic novel, and I was like, okay, say no more. Molly also wrote the Witch Boy trilogy that is very popular at Odell. I believe we have all of those. I am just in love with Molly's art style. It is dynamic and beautifully rendered, expressive, and this setting is very personal to her, so I I feel like you can feel that when you're looking at the illustrations of the island that these characters inhabit. Her parents made a home on this island in a tiny fishing shack without plumbing or internet, and she went kayaking, they saw seals, they let her basically have free reign of this island, and it seems to have made a very big impact on her, and it really informed the idea behind this novel, and I feel like you can really tell how much this story means to her. So the premise of this book, The Girl from the Sea, is a pretty common one, but with a little magic twist. So the main character, Morgan, lives on this island, 
Um, she's dealing with a lot in her personal life as she's going into, I believe she's in high school. And her parents have recently divorced. Her mom is trying to keep their family afloat. Her brother is struggling with some anger issues, her little brother. And she is trying to sort of keep down the fact that she's pretty sure that she likes girls. And she's trying to keep that secret from her family and from her friends who only see her a certain way. And she goes for a walk one night. She slips on some rocks. She falls into the sea. And this girl appears out of nowhere, saves her life. And she, thinking that it's just a dream, it's not real life, she can do whatever she wants. She kisses this girl. <laughs> and... It's a magical moment. She goes to bed thinking that it's nothing she's going to have to worry about, nothing that will have consequences in her real life. And the next day, this girl walks up to her and she's real. <laughs> and she says, do you remember me? And Morgan thinks back to a time when she was little and she was playing in the water and this creature, this girl but obviously a magical creature took her on a little swimming adventure and turned into a seal so she discovers that this girl her name is kelty is what's called a selkie so selkies are mythical beings who can transform into seals they wear this seal skin and this particular selkie is able to take human form every seven years and this time she is able to walk on land because Morgan has kissed her. So that enabled her to take human form and come on land. But Morgan is kind of freaking out about this because her family doesn't know, her friends don't know that she is interested in girls and there are just a slew of reasons that she doesn't want this to happen. So <laughs> she and Kelty are finding their way together, figuring things out, out about each other. And there is also a plot with the ecological effects of one of Morgan's friends' family yacht threatening the seals that Kelty is in charge of taking care of as a selkie. So it's dealing with some pretty heavy topics that a lot of young adults can relate to. And doing it in a way that is enjoyable to read, it's engaging, the characters are charming and just fun to read about. And there's also a cool set of little extras at the back where the author talks about the character design, goes through some of the iterations of what the characters looked like, and sort of the process that she had in creating the illustrations. So I highly recommend that you check this book out, even if you're not a, a young adult. I'm not a young adult either anymore, but I had a blast reading this one. And the other graphic novel that I read this month was also on my radar for a long time. It's called Crumbs by Danny Sterling. And I was kind of disappointed in this one, if I'm being honest. It has great reviews and I, I know it was adapted from the digital comic platform Webtoon into a print copy, but I found that, unfortunately, the 
<laughs> transition from digital to print was not as smooth as I was expecting, and I noticed a lot of fuzzy images and things that just made it a little bit distracting while I was trying to read the story. It kind of took me out of it instead of making me appreciate the artwork and everything. I, I do like the illustrations, but there, there seemed to be a little bit less attention to detail than in most of the graphic novels that I've read. It's a fun story about a young seer who is struggling to work out what exactly she can do with her powers. She can't really see the future. She can only see what happened. So she's very focused on the present and she hates that. She falls for this guy who works at a bakery where each treat has magical properties. So you can get a focus tea. She always gets the romance pie or whatever because as a seer there's no mystery to life and romance is all about mystery and not knowing what's going to happen next so whenever she gets this treat every week she can finally have that feeling for a little bit which I, I do really like that part of it it's pretty charming and she's totally unabashed about it, which is what catches the eye of this young man who works there. And he wants to be a professional musician. And they sort of fall in love with each other, but they're both chasing their own careers. And I don't know, the story is just kind of disjointed for me. There were a lot of details that weren't quite fleshed out that were more distracting. If there had been a more definitive this is the main plot of the story, I would have enjoyed it more. And it's pretty long. It's like a 400-page graphic novel, but it's a very quick read. But at the end of it, I was just left with this sort of lackluster feeling. Um, I wasn't blown away, but that's okay. Not every single read is your new favorite book, you know. <laughs> I'm glad that I read it. It was charming for what it was. The characters were pretty endearing, but it was just missing focus for me. So that was a little disappointing. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's take a break from graphic novels. There are a couple more that I read this month, but I'll give you a little break from those to talk about probably the most impactful book that I read this month. It's a very slim volume, but my, oh my, it was mind-blowing. So I finally read Recitative by Toni Morrison, winner of the Nobel Prize in Literature. The version that we have here at Odell was republished in 2022, and there's an introduction by Zadie Smith that is just absolutely world-shaking. I, I need to go back and reread it. I might go so far as to buy my own copy so that I can highlight and dog ear and all that good stuff because I think it's an essential essay that everyone should read. So I'll read from the inside cover detailing what the short story is about. Twyla and Roberta have known each other since they were eight years old and spent four months together as roommates in the St. Bonaventure shelter. Inseparable at the time, they lose touch as they grow older, only to find each other later at a diner, then at a grocery store, and again at a protest. 
Seemingly at opposite ends of every problem, and in disagreement each time they meet, the two women still cannot deny the deep bond their shared experience has forged between them. Written in 1980 and anthologized in a number of collections, this is the first time Recitative is being published as a standalone hardcover. In the story, Twyla's and Roberta's races remain ambiguous. We know that one is white and one is black, but which is which? And who is right about the race of the woman the girls tormented at the orphanage? Morrison herself described this story as an experiment in the removal of all racial codes from a narrative about two characters of different races for whom racial identity is crucial. Recitative is a remarkable look into what keeps us together and what keeps us apart, and about how perceptions are made tangible by reality. So what I did when I read this, I know that Zadie Smith wrote the introduction, but I wanted to read the story first so I knew what she was talking about in the story, um, and I think that worked really well. I think it was beneficial to read the story first and sort of go in blind. <laughs> I mean, not completely blind, but I only knew that she never describes which girl is white and which girl is black. And I just wanted to kind of observe my own thoughts as I was reading, as I suggest that you do as well. I think it's important to read it without any context of the underlying experiment that Toni Morrison was doing with this short story. So I would recommend reading the story first and then reading the introduction by Zadie Smith. Zadie Smith, what a goddess. Oh my goodness, I cannot describe how much I love this woman. She is such a powerhouse of a writer, and I got to hear her speak at a writing conference in college. Absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing. Uh, I know I keep saying that, but it literally is the only word I can use to describe both of these women, Toni Morrison and Zadie Smith. But she intros the story, gives backstory on what Toni Morrison's process was, gives a little context as to what her own thoughts were while reading the story, and describes Toni Morrison's ideas about radical equality, and it just opened my eyes to a whole new way of thinking about racial identity and how our experiences in the world affect the way that we read stories about race and the way we bring our own prejudices and opinions to literature instead of just listening to what the author is saying. <laughs> it is incredible that Toni Morrison was able to write this story without once giving us any sort of context as to which character is white and which is black. It's kind of impossible not to read the story and guess which one is white and which one is black. But it's impossible to tell. Like, even if you think, oh, there's no way I couldn't determine from context clues which woman is white and which is black, she makes it impossible. That is not an easy task, especially when you have an eagle-eyed reader like Zadie Smith reading your <laughs> literature and saying she has no idea which is which. And really, the point of the story is to realize your own prejudices. It is just so close to the chest, but in a way that forces us to recognize our own 
projections, our own justifications for the way that we think, our own traumas that we bring to our perception of racial identity. It, it is just such a beautiful and momentous book. You can get through it in an hour, but my goodness, it will change the rest of the hours that you live in this world, especially during such difficult times of political discourse. It's impossible not to bring our own experiences with our current age of politics into reading this book, but it gives a foundation that is both humanizing and critical of the way that we think about race and talk to each other about it, and I just could not recommend reading this book more. I think everyone should read it at least once, if not more times, as I will be doing. Highly recommend checking that one out if you don't read anything else that I talk about on this podcast, read that one. And another very impactful piece of Black literature that I read this past month was Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford. We own it here at Odell. You can find it in the nonfiction section under 305.488. It was published in 2021. I've seen this book everywhere on lists of remarkable Black literature as we celebrated Black History Month in February. And I've been circling it and I finally decided to pick it up. And my goodness, I am so glad that I did. She is a phenomenal writer. So from the inside cover... One of the most prominent voices of her generation debuts with an extraordinarily powerful memoir, the story of a childhood defined by the looming absence of her incarcerated father. Through poverty, adolescence, and a fraught relationship with her mother, Ashley Ford wishes she could turn to her father for hope and encouragement. There are just a few problems. He's in prison, and she doesn't know what he did to end up there. She doesn't know how to deal with the incessant worries that keep her up at night, or how to handle the changes in her body that draw unwanted attention from men. In her search for unconditional love, Ashley begins dating a boy her mother hates. When the relationship turns sour, he assaults her. Still reeling from the rape, which she keeps secret from her family, Ashley desperately searches for meaning in the chaos. Then her grandmother reveals the truth about her father's incarceration, and Ashley's entire world is turned upside down. Somebody's daughter steps into the world of growing up a poor black girl in Indiana with a family fragmented by incarceration and explores how isolating and complex such a childhood can be. As Ashley battles her body and her environment, she embarks on a powerful journey to find the threads between who she is and what she was born into and the complicated familial love that often binds them. I'm about halfway through. I had to take a little bit of a break because it is such heavy subject matter, but oh my goodness, she is such a talented writer. Her descriptions are just to die for. So even though the subject matter is quite difficult at times, it's never graphic. It is heartbreaking, but it's so powerfully rendered by the way that she writes and the connections that she makes, the metaphors and imagery that she uses. I The thing that I love about the way that Ashley writes is that while she's talking about these really dark, awful things that should never happen to anyone, regardless of whoever they are, 
while she's talking about these things, she has so much kindness and compassion and beauty in the way that she sees the whole picture of what is happening. I love the way that she weaves her story through moments of darkness and moments of light. She strikes such a beautiful balance between the painful moments in her life that are tempered by the moments she shares with her grandma, with her brother, whom she loves so much, and her own inner imagination. I'm just blown away by her ability to look back at her life and go into these really horrible things, but also see the moments of beauty that she was able to find even in the midst of experiencing some truly awful things. I would highly recommend that you check it out because she is an incredible writer. She has an incredible story. And I'm just thankful for people who are strong enough to look back and share those stories. I am so excited to read anything else Ashley C. Ford has to offer. She is someone to watch for sure. And I forgot one other nonfiction book that I recently read and found very helpful is called The New Oil Painting, Your Essential Guide to Materials and Safe Practices by the artist Kimberly Brooks. I recently took up oil painting with some friends, and this book was just so much more accessible than any of the other art books that I looked at. It's compact. It's comprehensive. It is up to date. It was published in 2021. And it just does a great job of breaking down the basics and all of the different methods that you can use in oil painting and how to get started. I found it very, very helpful. Really excited. I kind of want to buy my own copy so I can just have it with me when I'm oil painting. So if you're into anything, any hobbies or... <laughs> anything that you know you need a guide on check out the prairie cat app or website because you will find really helpful books on anything you could possibly want to know about so highly recommend checking that out if you're interested in oil painting i read two other <laughs> graphic novels the first one I read was Wash Day Diaries by Jamila Rouser and Robin Smith. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful celebration of Black womanhood. And I'm obsessed with this graphic novel. Oh my gosh, it is one of the most beautifully illustrated graphic novels I've ever read. And it is an adult graphic novel, mostly because the characters are in their adulthood and there are a couple of more sexual images but they're not explicit. So the book is kind of divided into sections based on each of the four friends that are the main characters and all of the stories revolve around their hair. The wash day they take care of their black hair. So it really highlights an experience that uh, not a lot of white people know about, myself included. I have only recently begun to seek out more illustrations of black hair types and figure out how to draw them and appreciate all the care and effort that goes into maintaining their hair types. Hair is such a big part of self-expression. 
So I really appreciate how the authors portrayed the emotional side of the story through the process of maintaining, caring for, and styling the hair of each woman and each woman's experience with washing her hair or doing someone else's hair. It was so vivid and moving. The illustrations have such emotion and it really hones in on every minute detail of that experience. It really breaks down panel by panel the process that they go through and the conversations that they have while they're having this experience. And I can just imagine so many people of color reading this graphic novel and seeing themselves in these four friends. And that is so important. The way that I read this book is infinitely less important than how people who see themselves in these characters will read this book. It's a safe place for Black, Indigenous, people of color to go when they're tired of explaining their experiences to those of us that will never understand exactly what they go through and we demand a lot of explaining from <laughs> Black folks. Yes, it's good that we want to understand, but I think constantly demanding that explanation from them is very tiring for them and pretty unfair. So here in this book, they can just exist. They can appreciate the aspects of Black culture that our world tries to hide away from the spotlight, and they can see smart, confident, sexy, loyal, and human characters just like them. So reading this book made me feel such hope for all of the Black women out there longing to see themselves represented authentically, accurately, and kindly in media. And then the other adult graphic novel that I read this month was I'm a Wild Seed, My Graphic Memoir of Queerness and Decolonizing the World by Sharon Lee Dela Cruz. It is a very quick read. It's just such a delightful book. So the Goodreads description says, The author shares her process of undoing the effects of a patriarchal colonial society on her self-image, her sexuality, and her concept of freedom. Reflecting on the ways in which oppression was the cause for her late bloom into queerness, we are invited to discover people and things in the author's life that helped shape and inform her LGBTQ identity and we come to an understanding of her holistic definition of queerness. So it's just such a charming and informative kind of rage-inducing read that uh, gave me a better idea of what intersectionality is. I have tremendous respect and admiration for the author's ability to articulate the broad strokes of what was a grueling journey, I'm sure, toward self-discovery and a confident expression of her gender, sexuality, and blackness. And I really can't wait to see more of her work in the future. And she also left a bunch of the citations for things she talked about in this graphic novel, and I'm adding those to my list as well. Finally, I'm reading Scorched Grace by Margot Duehi. This is a book that I talked about last month on the podcast. I was so fortunate to have looked at my Instagram <laughs> DMs 
and the author actually reached out to me to say thank you for mentioning her book on the podcast and she listened to the episode and loved it. And I asked her to join the podcast and have a little conversation with me about her new book and she kindly agreed to come on the podcast. So next episode will be a conversation with Margot Dwayhe. I wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up so that you can get the book in our library loan, put a hold on it on Libby, or go buy your own copy and join me in reading it in preparation for that podcast episode. I'm so excited and grateful for this opportunity, and I hope you're as pumped as I am for the Margot Dwayhe. Okay, so on this episode of V's Verses, I wanted to highlight some of my favorite love poems, and I am not a big proponent of Valentine's Day other than just as another day to celebrate the people in your life that you love, whether it's a romantic partner or not. And I just use February as an exercise in showing the people in my life who mean a lot to me that I love them. So I love using poetry for that. I (laughs) write a lot of very uh, sentimental, sappy poems for (laughs) people in my life. As someone who isn't always verbally expressive of that love or how deep it goes, I use poetry to put down in words something that I think it's important to keep reminding the people in your life. It can be easy to feel like no one cares about you when you're uh, just caught up in everyday life, busy doing the everyday things that we all have to do <laughs> as functioning members of society. But you will never know the power that a simple, heartfelt, genuine expression of care can bring someone some perspective or a new reason to keep doing what we all have to be doing, (laughs) which is living. So I encourage you to write down something about someone who means something to you and share it with them. I know it can be scary, but Nine times out of ten, people are just grateful to have heard they had an impact on you. And I think it's such a valuable experience to share your work with the people that it was written for. And I have no regrets in sharing any of the poems that I've written for people. So, some of my favorite love poems. Two by Tom Gunn. Just beautiful, evocative visceral images in his poetry always. So I recommend you check out the poems In Trust and The Hug. Just uh, linger in those poems because, man, they are beautiful. And I actually used to not like Emily Dickinson, but I've recently sort of fallen in love with her poetry. And I don't know, I just, I finally like see (laughs) what all the hype is about. Um, I was kind of that kid in high school who was like, eh, you know, everyone likes Emily Dickinson. Uh, who cares? Just like what you like. No one else's opinion matters. So Emily Dickinson, love you, girl. And uh, if you haven't already, I'm sure you've heard of it. I recommend you check out Wild Nights, Wild Nights. And I challenge you not to feel anything while you're reading it. <laughs> it's impossible. Another new favorite of mine is called Poem for My Love by June Jordan. 
And oh my gosh, talk about visceral imagery. Oh my goodness. It is infectious. Oh, such a beautiful wordsmith. I also just love the classics and I can't get away from my man Billy. I love me some Shakespeare and one of my favorite love poems is his sonnet 116, Let Me Not to the Marriage of True Minds. I was asked by one of my host sisters over in Britain to write a poem for my other host sister for her wedding day. And I was so honored (laughs) that my host sister, Laura, wanted to read this at Charlotte's wedding. So I wrote Charlotte and her husband, Dan, a poem for their wedding day. And I struggled so much writing this poem, (laughs) knowing that it was going to be read at this event for these people that mean so much to me. But I went out to Rockwood and let the beauty of that place inform my thoughts. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. And I think that it describes the relationship that they have and the sort of imagery that I think about when I think about what kinds of things they like to do together. So I hope you enjoy this poem. A Lifetime by Victoria Horn For Charlotte and Dan on their wedding day Your soul crashed down in wild waterfalls Carving a hidden landscape Filling the basin of my small cupped hands I drank deep and felt the way rivers do when they meet Infinite, unbothered by the rush of time Love took flight Full wingspan flapping, ruffling feathers until the wind lifted us, breathless, and we looked out to see a lifetime of Saturday morning pancakes and snowboarding in the Alps, late night drives on dark, empty roads, and long walks through the hills we call home. Your heart reflects back the light in mine, like the eyes of our black cat moon bathing in the garden. My soul curls up in yours wedded to the warmth of belonging, held fast by the choice we make together daily, to love, fierce and unceasing, in the midst of the finite. All right, so that's it for this episode. I would love to know what you read in the month of February and if you have any suggestions for me to read in the future. So follow the podcast on your podcast streaming of choice and you will be informed when a new episode drops. And if you have suggestions for topics, genres, or books I should cover on the podcast or guests you would like to hear from, send me an email at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. And any feedback at all is really helpful for me as I strive to put out the best listening experience for you every month. So thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts with you today. And until next time, I hope you've enjoyed your time Between the Stacks. This episode of Between the Stacks was written and produced by Victoria Horn. Special thanks to the Odell Public Library staff, library board, and friends of Odell. A hearty cheers to all of our lovely patrons who support the library And thank you so much for listening to this podcast.
fun anytime now. I'll also be talking about the effect. The uh, <laughs> Michael Robo. Robothin. Robothin. Michael Robothin. <laughs> God. We're gonna anchor you here and it's fine. <laughs> Why can't I talk? So I'll be talking about. <sighs> Your show. They're pretty. No, 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 I'm not gonna talk about that. Talk about imagery, visceral. Talk about Im- Talk about visceral imagery. Talk about visceral imagery. Your soul crashed down. Down. That's turning out not to be true, but that's okay. <laughs> You're gonna want to come in. Love poems. Ew. Shakespeare. No. Why? I don't know what I'm saying.